Welcome to Discovery Family. We're so excited that you're here with us. Uh, welcome to our online experience. We're here in our, in our neighborhood community group in the Solano County here in Vacaville. We're super excited that you're joining us. Maybe you're watching uh, as we premiere in this or maybe you're going to watch later. It's okay. Whatever time you're watching, we're so excited that you're here with us. My name is Antonio Reyes and I get to be one of the pastors in our community. And today we're going to start a new conversation, a new collection of talks uh, from the gospel on Mark. And one of the things that we want to be talking about is how Mark actually uh, was able to transmit the story and the good news of Jesus to humanity. And one of the things that you're going to see in the gospel of Mark is that there's a fast-paced type of gospel. Meaning, Mark does not allow us to take a breathe when, when there's one and another and another thing happening. We're like, okay, wait a minute. Why is going so fast? From one miracle to another miracle, from one sermon to another sermon, from one interaction to another interaction. And there's not a, a lot of explanation into it, but it's going pretty fast. And one of the things that um, people talk about is that this actually come from Peter. Peter himself. Peter himself actually communicated these stories uh, uh, to Mark. And Mark actually made this collection of what happened with Jesus. One of the reasons why people think it's Peter is because as you actually reading through the Gospel of Mark, you will see the, the, the apostles being a little bit clumsy, a little having a hard time understanding what Jesus is trying to say. And I think Peter is okay putting himself out there, communicating, hey, we were just fishermen. We were just men trying to understand this rabbi, and this is how we feel. And it was beautiful to see because sometimes we, we put this apostle people in this pedestals thinking, well, they were just human beings like us trying to understand Jesus. And this is a beautiful picture that we can actually see through the gospel of Mark. Lastly, I think it's a very important thing to notice is that you can actually see Mark uh, putting like, I, I want to say, igniting the fire on them because the audience have developed this complacency with, with this faith. And what Mark is trying to communicate to them is like the urgency this deserves your urgency pretty much. You need to make sure that this gospel, this good news of Jesus are actually in your mouth and communicating to everyone that you can because this, there's no space for complacency with this faith. And this is what it means to live in mission. The whole idea of, of today's conversation is how do we live in mission? And one of the things that you can see from Jesus from chapter one right away is that he's living in mission. He's living his purpose. He's in, he's in his element. He's actually uh, in the zone doing what he's supposed to do. And you can see this from the get-go. He does not stop. But before that, and this is our conversation today, there's a waiting room, I want to call it. Like a, a before all of this happening. And this is our conversation in Mark chapter one. Verse 9 and uh, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can pull it out. If you have your phones, you can pull it out. Whatever you, whatever you use and you just go with me with this. Mark chapter 1 verse 9 and on. It said, At the time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up upon the water, he saw heaven being opened and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you're my son, who I love. With you, I am well pleased. 
Verse 12, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attend him. Have you ever been, um, have you ever have like friends or maybe even family members that they say they love you, but they bully you sometimes? You know, one of the funny things in in the Mexican culture is that the way they show you love is that they bully you sometimes. And it's like, ah, at the beginning, when you grew up in that country, it's like, well, this is normal. This is how I know that you're okay with me. You love me. But then later on, you, you start developing this trauma, you know, like these voices just start like being very loud and you start having problems like with your, you know, with who you are, with your identity. And it's like, why do I have problems? Because they were putting nicknames on you the whole time, you know? So one of the, the funny things in, in my context when I grew up is the voices that I allow in my life. Those voices sometimes will make fun of me of the way I dress. They will make fun of me for the things that I was trying to pursue. They will make fun of me because different things, you know. And those voices start having a huge impact, huge impact in my mind. Until this, I can fast forward the story. To this point, I still battle with some of those voices. I'm still trying to conquer some of those voices in my own life. And it's very complicated sometimes if I'm quite honest with you. Which I believe raises the question, what voices are you allowing you to shape your life? Because they matter. What voices are you allowing to to speak into your life, to inform your life? What voices are you allowing to to protect you, to, 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 to cultivate you? Whatever those voices are, they matter. Because sometimes some of us, we try to live this God, live God, purpose, God-given purpose in our lives without really understanding what he thinks about us. What does he believe about us? What is he, what he desires for us? And sometimes we're trying to move forward and we're trying to live this out and we don't, we have no idea what he thinks and how he feels about us. And many times, unfortunately, uh, what ends up happening, the louder voices in our lives tend to be our brokenness, our inconsistencies, uh, our traumas many times, and they too tend to be louder than the voice of our own creator. And I believe that the voice of our, own, of our creator is trustworthy over the other voices. Why? Because the current voices in our culture tend to celebrate us only when we achieve something. They only You can only belong when you can align with our beliefs. You, we can only be happy with you if you're aligned with our values. And when you actually can see in what's happening in this story with Jesus is that before anything happened, before he did any miracle, he's love, he belongs, and the Father is delighted in him. See, before he opened the, the eyes of a blind, before he, he raised someone from the dead, before he, he delivered someone from oppression, he does not have to do anything for this status. He already has it. That he belongs, that he's love, and the Father lies on his life. See, we don't have to build this. We don't have to cultivate this. We don't have to manufacture this. This is how he feels towards us. And this is key, family. This is super key. Because if we're trying to actually live in purpose, we need to understand that He needs to actually be the source of our identity. We need to know who we are and whose we are. See, to live in mission, identity is is something very strange, if uh, if you ask me. 
No animals have to deal with this. No animals have to go to the psychologist to talk about their own issues because I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know who I am. You don't see a tiger going, yeah, I don't know what I'm here for, you know? It's a rare, it's a human experience. It's something that we have to learn how to navigate. And I, my, my suggestion is that we want to live in the totality and the fullness of, the, of this identity that God has created, created in us. That we can have a job, we can have a profession, we can have a career, but if we don't know who we are, we're going to, have a, we're going to struggle our whole life. Let me tell you that. And the reason why this matters, hear me out. The reason why this matters is because the next couple of verses tell us something very important. This is, remember, this is before he starts his mission. Uh, verse 12 says, At once the Spirit sent him into the wilderness. Notice that the same Spirit that spoke over Jesus' life is the one who leads him into the wilderness. Which is very interesting because many times when we feel ourselves in these spaces, in these in this seasons of wilderness, we will blame ourselves right away. What did I do? I feel that I did something wrong. And could be, could be just, I'm suggesting, could be that some of this, this desert wilderness moments are not our fault. Maybe this is the spirit leading us into those moments. That there's something that needs to happen in those spaces that we need to actually learn. That we need to actually hear. And what I don't want us to actually develop is this feeling of punishment from God. That is not a punishment. Maybe there's something that needs to happen in the wilderness. See, in the wilderness, God takes Jesus into obscurity, into adversity, into challenge, into nothingness, into isolation. Man, He takes Him into unpredictable temperatures, right? Hot during the day, ice cold at night. It's a very horrible place to be if you, quiet, if you ask me. But notice the way the Father sets up Jesus for this journey. Notice what He does, what He gives Jesus for this journey. You go into the wilderness, Jesus, this is what I'm going to give you. That you love, that you belong, and I'm delighted in your life. If you ask me, man, God, really? How about some water? You know, like, how about a granola bar so that He doesn't lose the calories? I don't know. How about, you know, something that He can use a map? Why are you giving, this is all you are giving me? Like affirmation that I know who I am? Like, I don't think that's enough, Jesus. You know, um, when I move over here, I was working with my uncle in landscaping. One of the things that, uh, in the season of November and January, when it's rainy, it's a very hard job because the leaves that fall from the, from the trees, they're so heavy. They're so heavy that you're blowing it up and you, you, you don't move them because they're soaking wet. So I remember one time we went to this new account in Sacramento in this daycare. And we actually got that account because they were not taking care of that space. So we got there. There were mountains and piles of leaves and they were soaking wet. We're like, man, this is going to be a long day. So I remember we pulled all the blowers and we just like going hard and they're powerful, you know, and we were just going and they were not moving. We're like, great. How do we actually do this? And we were trying to figure it out. And we had no other tools, but the, how do you call them? The rake, the, you know, we were raking the leaves and the tool that actually looked like we were taking steps back, it was relevant for the moment. 
not actually the, the one that we use all the time. The tool that we never, wouldn't even pay attention to, it became the relevant tool for that moment. And what I'm just trying to think through this conversation is maybe the tools that we think we need for moments of wilderness and desert are not the ones that we need. Maybe Jesus, under, maybe God the Father understands what we need in seasons like this. That that's all you need to know. You don't need certainty. You don't need a plan. You don't need plan A, B, and C. Maybe all you need to know is that you, your love, you belong in His love, and that He's delighted with your life. Notice also something very interesting about wilderness. The wilderness is not just about that. God has history with the wilderness. That's where he teaches Joshua how to lead. It's in the wilderness where he established Israel as a nation. It's in the wilderness that he encounters Elijah when he's running for his life and he's afraid. It's in the wilderness that he meets Rahab when he's hopelessness and, and he's crying because she doesn't know where to go. He has a history with wilderness. He does. It's in the desert that he makes himself known to his people and his purpose to humanity. I know this has a heavy theological moment for Jesus, and I'm, I don't have time to do that. But what I want to say is that he came to finish what we couldn't finish. He came showing that he was not like the first Adam. That he came to show us that he can finish what we couldn't finish. He came to close the gap between us and our creator. The father is showing the enemy of our souls, hey, this is not like the first Adam. He will finish the work. And this is a very significant thing for us, family. Most of the time when I invite people to serve in our community, the number one reason why they tell me they can't do it is because they don't feel that they have enough. That they can measure into what they think the expectation is. And my, my experience tells me that Jesus came to close that gap. Between what I have and what I don't have, He closes that gap. His grace, His love, comes and closes. That's what he's trying to communicate to us in the desert, that he come to close that gap. He's a bridge between who we are and our creator. That is covered right there. And one of the last things that I think is important to mention in verse 13, is something that is odd, but I think important for moments of desert and wilderness. In verse, in verse uh, 13, he says, and he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. Notice this is the part. He was with wild animals and angels intent him. Okay, Mark, what do you, what do you, why do you mention that? It's because I believe that when we find ourselves in the wilderness moments and desert moments, he will send unusual help. People that you never think that will come into your life. Maybe a source that you never thought that would be able to help you. You know, when I was part of our, our last church, you know, I was part of the pastoral team. And um, one of the challenges that I have as a young pastor is that they don't take me serious sometimes. And ah, I'm okay with it. No, no, I, it doesn't matter to me no more. But sometimes I will go meet people and um, after gatherings and we will have conversations. And you can sense from them they have this need of help. They, they, they want help. And every time I would extend my hand, hey, I'm here to help, whatever you need, please, they were rejected. They would not tell me, but they would just not be willing to engage. They, they wanted help, but not for me. They wanted it from the lead pastor. 
And one of the things that they will miss many times, and I knew I could help some of them. Maybe some other ones I couldn't, but some of them I could. They will miss the opportunity to find the healing that they were looking for and the, and the community that they were looking for because they, they wanted a certain type of help, packaged in a certain type of way, that they will miss the opportunity to interact with maybe what God was sending to them. I'm not saying that I'm an angel, but I'm just saying that that happened to me many times. I will miss maybe the help that God was sending me in moments of wilderness. So let's pay attention. Who is around us? Who is coming into our lives? Maybe it's an anomaly. Maybe you didn't even thought about it. Maybe you didn't see us help. But maybe that's what God is sending to you. On you show help. You know, as um, this is part of my story. Many people do not know why I actually moved to Northern California. Besides my family, um, there was a reason why we moved to Northern California is because we wanted to take uh, a business that they were selling to us. We decided to transition now from opportunities in Southern California and we decided to move to Northern California to try something else. You know, the pandemic kind of moves you into that direction sometimes. And we were trying something new. We left everything in Southern California. We showed up. In the first two months, things don't work out. And I remember I end up with nothing. Nothing. No job, no opportunity. And then you start questioning yourself like, man, God, like, really? I thought I was paying attention to what you were telling me. And then you start questioning who you are and your gifts and your, your abilities. And you start, it's a mess. And I remember I was thinking, I was like, I left all my opportunities over there, my community over there. There were some opportunities that I pursued for like six years. And they came to offer me those opportunities when I was leaving. And I left it over there. And I remember here with empty hands, sitting in my backyard, looking at the sky, frustrated, confused. I didn't know what to do. And I remember this story coming into my soul, into my mind. I remember whispering these words over my life here and there. I'm love. I belong. He's delighted in my life. I'm love. I belong. He's the light of my life. I might not have the answers. I might not have the tools. I might not have a job. I, not, I might not have the next steps, but I'm love. And I belong. And he's delighted with my life. And maybe, just maybe, that's all we need to know. That's all we need to know. That's the tools that he's given us to set us up for a mission. As we live in mission, as we live in this God given purpose into our lives. Maybe that's the only tool we need to have close to us. We need to know who we are and who we belong. So as we close this conversation, I would like to pray for all of us and here where, where you are, I would like to encourage you to have communion uh, with your community. And I'm so glad that you're here for this conversation. And let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you for reminding us that we don't have to do anything. We don't have to build anything. We don't have to uh, become anything. You love us. We belong in your love. And you're delighted with us, God. Walk with us, God. Show us that love. Help us learn how to live and abide in that love, God. 
that as we move forward, maybe there's people around us that uh, they're trying to figure out what's their next step. Maybe they're trying to figure it out. Uh, what is the plan? But remind them that they don't need that necessarily, that you're with them and you're walking with them. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. We love you, family.